The following program is an MLWRadio.com production. SaveWithBruce.com is the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. For all your mortgage needs, go to SaveWithBruce.com. Oh my! And from there, lower your monthly payments, consolidate your debt. You may even be able to own your own home with no money down. And you don't need perfect credit. And you may be able to skip your next two house payments. Stampede your way to savings right now at SaveWithBruce.com. Equal housing lender, NMLS number 65084. Welcome to WHW Monday. All systems operating within normal design parameters. Tony Schiavone and Conrad Thompson talking about the great years of World Championship Wrestling, the NWA, and Jim Crockett Promotions. Engage cybernetic generation sequence. And now, let's go to the ring, and here's your co-host, hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson. Now, function System Hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to What Happened When? Monday, right here on the MLW Radio Network, and of course, the man of the hour, Mr. Tony Schiavone is with us. Tony, what's going on, man? How are you? Well, I know what happened when. I know what happened when I announced that Nick Foley had won the world title for the WWE. I know what happened when back then. Yeah. A lot of slapdicks said, yeah, Schiavone giving away all the finishes. Well, I wasn't the only one who was doing it. So get over it. Anyway, I thought I'd get that out. <laughs> good, to, good to talk to you, Conrad, and good to talk to everybody out there. It's been a great week. Uh, first of all, congratulations to Bruce Pritchard and to you. By golly, something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. It was named the top sports podcast of the year. Am I correct? Did I get that right? Yeah, I can't believe it either, man. Sports podcast of the year, and uh, it's not even a sport. So... We must be doing something right. It is a sport. Look, I do a radio show in Atlanta Wednesday nights, uh, Pro Wrestling Wednesday, 9 to 11. And it's a two-hour show. And only thing you have to do is go to the ESPN website. Sports Illustrated covers pro wrestling. ESPN covers pro wrestling. Everybody covers it now because sure. the guys who are writing now were wrestling fans back in the day. And I work for a sports radio station where everybody in there, every sports announcer in there is was and is a big wrestling fan. So it is a sport. It's a different type of sport, but it's a sport. And it's covered like a sport more than ever before. Something that I don't think we ever imagined back in the 70s and 80s back then. No, that's fair to say. You know, lots of mainstream coverage, and I guess we should address it now. You're going to be returning to calling professional wrestling, something a lot of us never thought we would see, and it's happening. Tell everybody all about it. Uh, it's called uh, MLW Radio One Shot. It's going to be in Orlando. Uh, it's going to be in the month of October. Uh, you can go to MLWRadio.com uh, to learn more about it. And uh, it is 
truly a one-shot deal. There have been a lot of people, in, uh, especially members of my family, <laughs> starting with Lois, who saw in social media that you're going back to wrestling? Say, guys, you know, I'm going back for one night. A uh, good friend of mine, longtime uh, television uh, sports anchor in, in Atlanta, Chuck Dowdle, I worked with for many, many years, says, well, you never know what that will lead to. I say, yeah, I know what it'll lead to. Nothing. Because I enjoy my podcast with Conrad. Uh, I enjoy making appearances. I don't want to go back as a full-time professional wrestling announcer. And to be honest with you, Conrad, I don't think I would do a good job on a full-time basis now. But I'm looking forward to this because Court Bauer and the guys at MLW Radio, as you know, are great guys. And, and I just thought, yeah, I'll, I'll go for one day and go down and do it and s- see if I can do it again. And uh, there you go. So I guess you could say, yeah, I'm coming back to pro wrestling, but I'm not coming back to pro wrestling on a full-time basis, with the exception of what happened when Mondays here on the MLW Radio Network. Well, I, you know, it's interesting that you say that because if you doing something poorly means that you shouldn't do it full time, I don't know how you've been in radio all these years. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Well, well, it's because I'm a damn good producer. Ask the Georgia Bulldogs radio network. Well, okay. let's go ahead and get busy this week. But first, let's talk about last week. Uh, I had fun taping last week's episode. What was the feedback that you got? Well, the initial feedback I got was from Medusa. And I got a tweet from her that said something to the effect of, I don't have it in front of me, you can be my bike bitch anytime. <laughs> <laughs> to which I returned the, uh, I sent her a, I didn't put it on Twitter, but I sent her a text because we have each other's phone number and said, Ducey, that tweet gave me a woody. At least I think it did, Ducey, if I could find it. Uh, and, and she sent LOL, and that started an exchange back and forth. And uh, so that, Tony B. and Medusa's bike bitch, uh, was the one thing that stuck out to me. I listened back to it, uh, and I really... Um, the, the Bobby Heenan thing, the T- more I think... Tony, I look, feel like you need to take your Alzheimer's medicine. Last week was Arn Anderson. Okay. <laughs> so tell me about that great job you do producing georgia bulldog radio again <laughs> go dogs i, I yeah. fucking love the arn anderson episode uh wow. shout out to matt coon for putting an awesome promo in there to open the yeah, show he, he put yeah. a bitter the bittersweet symphony underneath he had the awesome retirement speech at the end one of my favorite episodes we've done so far, and, and I'm glad we were able to pay homage to the man, the enforcer, Arn Anderson, one more time yeah. here on the show. And, and Matt Coon put the old WCW uh, music in from uh, Turner Broadcasting back in the day, which kind of really stood out. And uh, I just, uh, Arn Anderson still does not get enough credit. Yeah, somebody on, uh, on Twitter, am I talking about the right one here, Conrad? Just want to make sure. <laughs> uh Arn Anderson still doesn't get enough credit. Uh, one guy on Twitter uh, said that Arn Anderson didn't have the look. And my response was, well, then describe what the look is. Because if Arn Anderson didn't have the look to be the world champion, then Dory Funk Jr. didn't. Terry Funk Jr. didn't. Jack Briscoe didn't. Harley Race didn't. Uh, Arn Anderson was a classic wrestler. Uh, I could talk long time about him. Uh, I... Uh, 
and I mentioned this, I think, at the end of the program. I, I didn't appreciate uh, the the little vignette he did with the WWE when he came in looking for catering. Yeah, and took a couple donuts with him. I, I think they tried to to paint him in light of as a fat buffoon, uh, which was wrong. Uh, and he they didn't even they he said I used to be in charge of that. I used to be the main man for that group. He didn't call the four horsemen by name. Uh, so I didn't like that, but I, uh, I really enjoyed the episode. We got lots of comments and lots of tweets about Arn's WCW Galoob character, uh, with the tan yarmulke, I believe he called mm-hmm. it, which was pretty funny. Yeah. And, and, and I feel like he's still one of the most underrated performers. I hope everybody eventually gets around to checking out the Arn Anderson episode because I feel like he's kind of one of the unsung heroes of professional wrestling. Um, But let's get to something that I know we're going to have fun with today. We always do. It's a QA and a episode. We wanted to go ahead and ask you fans, hey, what do you want us to talk about? We'll talk about that, and we're going to make it happen right now. Are you ready to get started, Tony? Uh, I guess as ready as I'll ever be on this, so here we go. Well, in the future, cruise on over to facebook.com forward slash WHW Monday. We ask you to give us some questions every single week, regardless of the topic. But this week, it's nothing but your questions. Here we go. Wayne Smith wants to know, who in the years at WCW was the best talent to work with, and who was the one you dreaded working with the most? I, I guess, uh, Wayne, you're talking about uh, announcers or, or, or maybe wrestlers. Uh, the, the best talent to work with as far as wrestlers were concerned uh, back in the years were Arn Anderson and, and Ric Flair. Ricky Steamboat was wonderful to work with because he was such a pro. Uh, I kind of dreaded working with Vader, and oh. it's not because not because I didn't like Vader. You know, you know, I've talked about on this podcast before that he's one of the great heels of all time. Sure, but I I dreaded working with Vader because when he got into wrestling mode, you never knew what he was going to do. And the same thing could have been said about Big Papa Pump. And there is a, a pay per view that Jesse and I were doing where Vader came over and shoved us. Uh, if if Vader is in that mindset, he would have decked an announcer. So I dreaded working with him because I just didn't know that Leon would be in that that mode or that mindset, and he would snap, and maybe I would go down. So that's the reason there. Um, and let's go to Jr. Perez because Jr. is asking more about the worst. What was the worst cage match in WCW history? The Chamber of Horrors match from Halloween Havoc, nineteen ninety one. The Doomsday Cage from Uncensored 1995, or the Ready to Rumble Cage from Slambury 2000. Uh, boy, that's a tough one. I, and I guess it's going to have to be the uh, uh, the the cage match uh, from the Chamber of Horrors. You weren't sure about that one, but uh, no, I would because these are a couple stinkers to uh, to pick from. But the only reason I say Chamber of Horrors is. Uh, come on, we're we're electrocuting a guy. Yeah, yeah, you know, for crying out loud. Uh, Alex wants to know who from current day wrestling would you recruit to fill out the fourth horseman spot if the first three were Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, and Tully Blanchard. Uh, current day wrestling. Yeah, the Miz. I love you for that. You're going to get so many hate tweets. Direct your hate tweets to at Tony Schiavone twenty four. Really? Well, I get it. People, I like a lot him. of people hate the Miz. Really? Yeah, there's just a lot of people who think if he didn't work indies or if he didn't wrestle in Japan or whatever and he came in through a reality show, then he must not be that good. But there's another contingent who are like me who think 
The Miz is one of the most underrated people on the roster. Yes, absolutely. Some of the interviews that he has done, at least leading up to SummerSlam, I thought were tremendous. James Russell wants to know, whose idea was it to use the electric chair on Abdullah the Butcher? That was the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. And Dusty said, man, that may have been a shitty cage match, but you got to admit, that visual of Abdullah being electrocuted was quite the visual. And it was. Alex Alex wants to know, what would be the theme and idea for a show you could produce for the WWE Network? Well, I would uh, I would go on the road with with Conrad and Bruce. Is what I would do, town to town. I know Conrad doesn't like to travel much, but I like travel shows. Uh, I like going around and talking to wrestling fans and getting their input, and uh, having guys who can talk to the fans and rap with the fans and and have them talk about their memories. I, I think that nostalgia, and this is one of the reasons I think that our show is so popular and Bruce's show is so popular. I think nostalgia is big, big and really big right now with the millennials, the kids who grew up in the 90s and are now moved on, of course, from that. Uh, and, and I don't think that the WWE takes probably takes uh, enough uh, advantage of that. Richard Barnes wants to know what wrestlers would have made your short list to replace Ole in the Four Horsemen? Mm. Uh, boy, that's a good one. Uh, you have to go back to that time. Uh, and and try to figure out. Uh, I mean, Barry Windham at first comes to mind uh, about being that. Uh, you know, I always thought, and I'm going to go back to that time. Okay, I always thought that that Magnum TA would have made a great heel. Wow, I always thought he looked the part, uh, and he was uh, very intense. You know, Tully had mentioned many times that he was a kind of a difficult guy to work with because he was so stiff. I always thought he would have made a tremendous heel. Uh, I thought that would have been a good move if had I been booking. Alex wants to know, are there any match ideas or gimmicks that you think would work that work well if brought back today, excluding war games? Uh, no, I, I don't think so. Anthony wants uh-huh. you to name a couple of guys who would have been world champions or should have been, but never were. Well, Arn Anderson is one. Uh, Magnum TA is one because of the injury. He was he was never a world heavyweight champion. Uh, in the classic sense of being a wrestler, you know, and we brought this up earlier uh, of like a Jack Briscoe or uh, Harley Race. Uh, Tully Blanchard wouldn't have been a bad world heavyweight champion because he was a very good television champion. Right. He was a cheating, snivelly little son of a bitch that you hated, and that always, to me, made a good world champ. Uh, Brandon wants to know, what's your most prized baseball card? Uh, my most prized baseball card, Brandon, thanks for asking this, too, is the nineteen Topps 1969 Rick Monday card. Uh, it was the very first baseball card I ever remember opening when I opened a, a package of Topps baseball cards back in 1969 and that's my most prized one i'm uh i'm i'm baseball card stupid to 1969 tops what's that worth you think uh you mean the card yeah that card because rick was 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 not a uh, is not a hall of famer that card is probably worth maybe like 30 dollars maybe 35 dollars cool uh the whole the whole set's probably worth 2500 but and i have most of that a whole set uh, but, 
you know, you you got like Reggie Jackson's card in there, which is probably worth like 150, and some other guys who played uh, played back in 1969. Uh, Don Don Sutton's got a card in there, and I bought that recently for 75 bucks. Not recently, about five years ago for 75 bucks. Uh, so it's it's a it's one of those vintage sets. My favorite sets are top 69 and top 65, and uh, and back when I was in WCW making some money. I uh, I pulled a lot of them off eBay back then. That's fun. Alan wants to know what would your what do you want your legacy to be? Hmm, boy. Uh, well, uh, I want to be my legacy is to be a good husband and a good father. Well, I didn't expect that one. I was hoping it involved Klondike Bill. Uh, next up, Jason <laughs> wants to know if you could have one super group of play by play and commentators, who would it be and why? I, Jason, if you if you're talking about wrestling. The super group of play-by-play commentators would be Soli, Ross, uh, Bob Cottle, um, Lance Russell, to me. Man, that's that's the icons right there. Right. But if you're talking about just sports commentators, uh, to me, number one will always be Joe Tate, the longtime voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, Vin Scully is another one. And a longtime broadcaster, I'm showing my age, Obviously, I showed my age at the beginning of this fucking show, but uh, would uh, be Ray Scott, who was a longtime voice of the Minnesota Twins and was the voice of the NFL back in the <coughs> late 60s. Uh, Mike wants to know, what was your favorite world title belt? The old uh, Dome Globe, the Big Gold, or the belt that Vader held in the early 90s? Yeah, I didn't like that Vader belt at all. Uh, it was the it was the first one. The the it, I guess it would be called the dome, the globe dome. Yeah. What I call the Harley race belt. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. That that's my favorite one of all time. Uh, Chris wants to know what were your feelings on giving away raw spoilers? Huh. Well, I felt that uh, I was told I did what I was told to do, and I felt uh, Christopher, if you go back and you look at uh, WCW Monday Nitro, that I wasn't the first motherfucker that did that. I get blamed for it, but Bischoff did it long before I did. Jim Ashley wants to know if you have any fun stories of coming to Charleston or the Civic Center uh, in Charleston, West Virginia. The only fun story I have, unfortunately, does not have to do with wrestling. But we were in the backstage area in Charleston, West Virginia, when the Atlanta Falcons beat the Minnesota Vikings to go to the Super Bowl in 1998-1999, and all the guys were watching at the back and were screaming and hollering at the television. Paul uh, wants to know, do you think Braun Strowman would have been a major star if he debuted for WCW during the Monday Night Wars? Probably should have been. Well, we probably would have fucked that up, Paul, so no. Uh, you'd have probably wrapped him up in toilet paper and called him. <laughs> yeah, Braun Yeti. Uh, Greg wants to know, what are your thoughts on Pillman's loose cannon gimmick and Pillman in general? Uh, I thought Pillman was very misunderstood. Uh, I, I never bought the loose cannon that Pillman was actually in real life, a crazy guy. Uh, I liked it because he played it up very well. Uh, Pillman was a good heel and a good baby face, just an overall good performer. Um, any WWF superstars you would have liked to have seen in Jim Crockett promotions that comes to us from Seth. Wow. Seth, uh, I, I think you'll remember that, uh, we had Rowdy Roddy Piper in Jim Crockett promotions before he went and became a big star in the WWF. 
Uh, I would have liked to have had him and Jim Crockett Promotions back in there. Uh, Paul Lorndorf back in the day because he became a big star uh, in the WWF. And um, uh, that's about all I can think of right now who were, who were big stars back in the WWF back then. Uh, Jeff wants to know, why do you think the Sting-Hogan match at Starcade 97 fell so flat after all that great buildup? Well, it felt so flat, felt flat because the, the, the match didn't live up to the hype. It was not a good match. It was not a good finish. Jeff Shaw wants to know, do you have any good stories about Billy Jack Haynes? I always thought he was over and out of his mind. Yeah, he was both. Uh, uh, after Starcade 85, when, and I believe it's 85, I, I may be wrong, it may be 86, but I'm thinking it's 85. One of the, one of the two Starcades, Billy Jack wrestled Wahoo McDaniel. And I drove back to uh, Charlotte, and Billy drove with me, rode with me. And we talked a little bit. He didn't really have much to say. He was very nice, very polite. Uh, and we start doing promos on Wednesday. And Jimmy Crockett came back and says, take Billy Jack out of every card. He is no longer with the company. Do not mention his name anymore. Uh, it's kind of blew us all away because we thought that Billy was going to be a big star. And uh, we found out that his payoff for Starcade pissed him off so much that he went in and threatened to beat up Jimmy Crockett. And that's why Jimmy fired him. There was a confrontation, apparently, in, in the office that day with Billy Jack Haynes and Jimmy Crockett. Then he came to work, if you'll recall, he came to work for WCW as Black Blood from a, a, a mask guy, Black Blood, from a, a small town in France, here is Black Blood. And then he would look into the camera and go, Black Blood. And I was thinking, boy, that kid from France really knows he's English. Taylor Griggs wants to know, your favorite Atlanta Braves player of all time? Greg Maddox. Greg Maddox was one of the funniest guys ever. Uh, and really liked to play practical jokes on people. And I got to, as working with the Braves Network, got to work with him a long time. And uh, uh, probably the greatest pitcher of all time, too, really. Uh, Sam wants to know, what are your thoughts on Fit Finley? And do you prefer him with the blonde buzz cut or the mullet and porn stash? Blonde buzz cut, Fit Finley, one of the shooting toughest guys in wrestling. I tell you again, Conrad, you may know the year. Go back to the uncensored fight between he and Lord Stephen Regal. And watch that thing. Uh, it was quite a dogfight, to say the least. Oh. Is that one? Is that maybe your favorite match of his? Yeah, that, that is. That's that's my favorite match of, of uh, Lord Stephen Regal's. It's it's that, un, it's uncensored ninety six. If you want to watch okay. it on the network, if you want to watch it, that, that the, and I have a, if I've told this story before, Conrad, stop me. But it was two guys who were close friends who admired each other going out there and actually legitimately beating the fuck out of each other. They did. They beat the fuck out of each other. And Regal peeks his head down through the ropes and Finley's on the floor and Finley gives him a short punch and breaks the orbital socket in his eye. And now his eye is all swollen shut. And after the matches, Regal came to me because Steve and I have always been close and he always did respect my opinion and, and I've always loved him. And he said, uh, 
hey, mate, how did that look? And I said, you know, you guys are fucked up, buddy. You guys are fucked up. Watch that match and, and uh, get our reaction. Uh, and that just shows you how tough of a guy Fit Finley was. Mike Porta wants to know if you would talk about some of your favorite wrestlers from the 70s Mid-Atlantic era and some of your favorite angles from that era as well. All right. My favorite angle of all time as can a I, wrestling fan. Can I guess? Was, yes. Um, Blackjack and Flair, the yellow robe and the hat. You got it. It's it's like everybody from that era is very favorite. Who were some of your favorite wrestlers at the time? Well, I liked Tim Woods, Mister Wrestling. Uh, I liked Paul. Jo- I liked uh, Paul Orndorff and Re- and uh, Jimmy Snuka as World Tag Team Champs back then. I loved Blackjack Mulligan. He was my favorite. Dick Murdoch came in for a run. Loved his stuff. Was a big fan of his. Uh, and of course, you know we all loved Flair. Uh, and when Dusty Rhodes came in, we loved him as well. But the flair, uh, robe, hat, angle with Blackjack Mulligan did big-time business for Jim Crockett Promotions. Anybody who was there, Dick Bourne will tell you. Dick Bourne loves it. It's his favorite thing in the history of wrestling. Yeah. Anybody who watched it, who go... And you know what? I can't find it. Yeah, there's no tape of it. Yeah. I can't, Well, there's tape of it. There's tape of it in the vault at the WWE. Uh, but you can't find it anywhere. Uh, it is just, just was well done. Uh, Jason wants to know, what are your honest thoughts on Hogan and Goldberg being given away on Nitro? Well, my, uh, Jason, my thoughts were anything given away on Nitro was bullshit. Uh, uh, it's something we talked about before on this program. Don't give away shit on free TV. Make them pay for it. Maybe you'd still be in business. Mark Smith wants to know, what are your thoughts on Vince Russo? Uh, Vince Russo and I were always very good friends. Uh, Vince uh, trusted me with a lot. Vince came in from the WWF, and immediately we had meetings that were organized, and meetings and the thought process put into shows, and things weren't done on the last minute, and things weren't changed. We did have some changes, we had so and did have some things done on the last minute, but nothing like we had prior to that. So he came in and gave us, I thought, a, uh, at least in the backstage area, gave us a pretty good spark as far as feeling like we were an organized, cohesive unit. And, of course, he got that from working with Vince McMahon. Uh, not everything he did worked. I know a lot of people hate him. I know Jim Cornette hates him. Uh, and a lot of people think there's a lot of people out there, a faction that feels that Vince Russo killed W bullshit. Vince Russo didn't kill WCW. Uh, Vince always had a great mind for the business. I consider him a friend. Uh, Zach Harris wants to know, do you get paid for all the footage with you on the WWE network? Yeah, boy, I wish I don't get paid a dime. You know, back then we used to, when you used to sign your check, Conrad, uh, back, and I'm talking about the Jim Crockett promotions era. And this is before I started working for WCW and got, uh, and got contracts. Jim Crockett promotions, the old paychecks had a stamp on the back and the, the stamp said something to the effect of, by endorsing this check, you are giving away your rights to the footage that we have of you. So by endorsing our checks, we told Jim Crockett Promotions, you can make as much money off us as you want. We have no authority to it. And uh, I guess that lives today. Uh, you know, there, there, is a, there is a precedent out there 
You, you know, years ago, uh, Jesse Ventura sued Vince McMahon, right, and, and won. Uh, and there was, and I guess some of his commentary has been taken off some of those. Uh, I never did sign a contract with the WWF that one year. I'd asked for a contract, and Vince said, "Do you really want one?" I said, "Well, I." I was offered one by WCW. He said, well, we'll give you a contract, but it's, you do realize the contract is worth only the paper it's printed on. And that's okay. I don't have, so, but anyway, I'd like to get a, a dollar for every time I'm seen on there. You'd have at least $2. Uh, (laughs) Jason wants to know, did the NWO ultimately do more bad than good for the company? Or do you think WCW wasn't long for this world either way? Yeah, look, Jason, uh, if you've heard this podcast, you know, and and I'll say this again, from the very first day I left the WWE, came back to WCW in April of 1990, there wasn't a day that went by that I thought, well, they're going to fucking close the doors on us. Right. The, The NWO helped us stretch it out. They did. The NWO was mega hot. It made WCW cool, and it helped prolong the death of WCW. Ross Gates wants to know, from a production standpoint, why were Dave Penzer's ring introductions always muted on Nitro? They wanted us to tell the story, talk over it, and build up. They thought that uh, David Penzer's uh, ring introductions were for the house only and didn't need to be done on television. And there's a, you know, there's a certain thought about that, too. Uh, because if you go back to the 80s of, of the WWF, when I did Challenge, uh, the ring announcing was always in the background as well. Vincent. Oh, oh it, listen, uh, maybe, uh, maybe Dave Meltzer would say, so Shivani would have more airtime. Yeah, that's it, you fuck. Go ahead. Vincent wants to know, do you know where the storyline with Rude and Vader was going in 94? It was very appealing and exciting watching Rude as a babyface, and this seemed like a dream match, but sadly, the career injury happened. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know where it was going, with the exception of it would probably been on top. It's really hard to say, you know, back in 94, trying to understand what the bookers were thinking, but I agree. Uh, Franklin wants to know, what are your thoughts on the faction New Blood, and what, do you, what did you think about Goldberg turning heel? Yeah, I didn't like Goldberg turning heel at all. I thought we had the, one of the great baby faces of all time. And I, Goldberg turning heel probably could have happened down the road. I think I remember Vince Russo saying that he thought he needed to do it because where else can we go with this guy that we haven't gone before? I thought we kind of rushed it. Uh, the New Blood, to be honest with you, with the exception of going, apparently the New Blood did not have a, a profound impact on me. Because with the exception going back and, and watching this shit, I don't remember that much about it. Well, Sorry. do you remember much about Ice Train? Because Matthew wants to know, is there any truth to the rumor you guys had an altercation and that led to him being fired? No, oh, that's... Where did they get this bullshit from? Did you ever hear that, Conrad? No. I did hear about Ice Train getting stuck in something, um, but never heard about an altercation with you. No, I wouldn't have. I, I'm not that dumb. Ice Train, Ice Train's a great kid. An altercation with Ice Train. Where does this bullshit come from? From the motherfucking internet. 
Well, let's talk about bullshit that's definitely not from the internet. And speaking of getting stuck, friend of the show, Jason Marks, wants to know, how did the barbarian get stuck in an elevator, and why was it with Tommy Young? <laughs> because he hit the button that said emergency stop and turned to his left and said, Tommy Young, there you, go. you come over here, check me off. Thank you, Jason, for that. We appreciate you setting up Conrad for that shit. Uh, Grant Scott Ellis. I don't mm. know why he needs three names on Facebook, but he does. Was there ever any heat with the daily sports newspaper, the national? I never read that shit. Uh, for those of you who that don't know, Defoe, that was a Frank Defoe thing. Wasn't that it went it, out of business real? It was. And Dave Meltzer wrote for the national. Oh, okay. Well, good. There you go. Good. Well, well now, now that I know the national can go fuck itself. Steven Chili's wants to know, do you have any opinions about AJ Styles as a performer? One of the greats. I, I've loved what AJ Styles and Kevin Owens have been doing on the recent stuff on WWE. And I have a place in my heart because he's a Georgia kid and he is a University of Georgia football fan. And he thinks like me, go dogs. This is our year. Uh, Steven wants to know, are there one or two things you would have done to try to keep uh, WCW in business? Uh, one thing business-wise and one thing in-ring-wise. Well, uh, yeah. One thing business-wise I would have done is I would have never done, well, I say never, but then again, you don't know what you're forced. If I had autonomy, right. if I could call the shots right. without having answered to the to the uh, slapdicks at uh, Turner Broadcasting, I would have never done Thunder. Uh, we were unequipped to do Thunder. And that just put a strain on us production-wise and monetarily. Well, and I wouldn't have given everything away on Nitro like I would have done. Vern wants to know, any memories of Jimmy Valiant? Uh, he never slipped me the tongue. There's a, a rumor and innuendo that mm, Jimmy Valiant was under a glass coffee table once, and the Rock and Roll Express came in and saw what was happening, and Ricky Morton threw up. Yeah. Jimmy Valiant has said that that is total bullshit and that it was actually the Midnight Express. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have uh Wait, any- look Jim Jimmy was an old school hippie, man. So old school hippies like the uh glass bottom boat rats? Well, he was just a maybe, I don't know. Uh he was just an old school hippie, man. He was uh And you know, as as time went on, his matches uh, weren't as good as they used to be. But uh, listen, he was big time over with Jim Crockett Promotions at one time. He was one of those guys that, you know, they, they would have uh, the, uh, the boy from New York City music play for him. And when that music would hit, boom, 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 the fans would, would erupt. It was one of those things where, you know how the, the fans, the, the, the fans would... Uh, uh, would cheer when the music hits for the WWE uh, wrestlers. You're having like a senior moment right now. Did you just have a stroke on the show? <laughs> no. No, somebody said something in my ear. <laughs> uh, is that Lois? No, shit, no. You would have heard Lois. The woman in my ear, in my ear here on my Bose Bluetooth headset just told me that Anthony Schiavone's iPhone lost. Well, thank uh, you very much. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm not hearing things. The iPhone thinks that your last name is Schiavo. Schiavone. Schiavone. Anthony Schiavone's phone lost. I'm never saying your name properly ever again. Schiavone <laughs> is the way we're saying it. Shivante. Shivanto. Uh, That's what Jimmy Vine used to say. He used to clap. Shivanto. And, you know, my, my mother, uh, look, I started doing wrestling on a national level in 1985. My mother died five years later in 1990. My mother always says, Way that Jimmy Valley kisses you just kills me. So he kept kissing me because my mom liked it. Well, speaking of moms, Matthew Parker wants to know, does Buff's mom still trim his bag? I would not know for a fact, but I imagine that if she did back then, she probably does today. Well, I don't know that you're ready for this, Tony, but are you sitting in front of your Google machine? Yeah. If you could, I'd like to see you go ahead and type into your Google machine, Cowboys, and then the number four, Angels. Cowboys, four, Angels. Cowboys, okay. How do you spell Cowboys? C-O-W-B-O-Y-S. I know, I'm just playing with you. Cowboys, four, H. Okay. Oh, shit, I typed in Cowboys for Angles. Hang on here. Cowboys for Angels, okay. <laughs> are you are you here? <laughs> you you know what you know you're you're a hell of a guy, but what? in reality you're not worth a fuck. Thank you. I, okay. I guess what I wanted you to see is yeah. Um, there's a fellow in here named Marcus Marcus oh, Bagwell. Would it would I click on the Atlanta? portion well if you just go cowboysforangels.com forward slash cowboy forward slash marcus hyphen bagwell okay there is a link there and i can i can actually send this to you so you can click on this and just go ahead and take a peek so it's forward slash marcus forward slash bagwell i love that you're really doing this Uh, just check your email Uh, i'm (laughs) i'm emailing you maybe the gayest thing i've ever it looks like roman reigns oh Looks like him. I don't know why, but you getting excited about who these guys reminds you of tickles me. Okay. <laughs> Apparently, he's not active right now because when I click on Atlanta, I just see Enzo and Dominic, and those sound like wrestler names. Yeah, I know. But um, he still has a page up, and it says he's 43, he's 6'1", he's 230, um, and you can request an encounter. Or view his rates. It says, Marcus Alexander Bagwell grew up outside of Atlanta, and after being a star athlete in high school, he decided to take his hard work and effort in fitness to become a professional trainer. Not long after, Marcus also decided to enroll in massage therapy school, where he eventually graduated top of his class and holds a degree in massotherapy. While pursuing his passions, he was discovered by a professional wrestler who convinced Marcus to give it a shot, and after doing so, he was a natural. His first persona on national TV was the handsome stranger. How about that? They call where, him the natural. Where he brought roses to the ring and handed them out to the ladies in the crowd. Fast forward a year later, and he was now signed to World Championship Wrestling and received Rookie of the Year honors. This skyrocketed his career, and now no longer calling himself Marcus Alexander Bagwell, Buff the Stuff Bagwell was born, and the rest is history. Being watched each week by millions of fans all over the world, 
Buff Bagwell spent over a decade on national TV entertaining the fans. A true Southern gentleman, Marcus once again is ready to hand out a few roses and entertain you for the evening. But if that's not your cup of tea, he will forever be your Buff the Stuff Bagwell. Uh, And that's his profile here. And if you'd like to view his rates uh, for two hours, (laughs) he will come service you for $800. Holy shit. Uh, If it's going to take you a little longer, uh, he will will, uh, knock them boots for $15.50. Overnight, he's going to need three grand. If you'd like to spend a full twenty-four hours with him, the low, low price of just forty-five hundred. If you need a full weekend of buff stuffing, it's eight thousand bucks. And if you want him for the week, you can have him, ladies. He's twenty-five grand. Twenty-five wow. grand a week. We're in the wrong. I'm in the wrong business. Here. Well, here's what I'm wanting to know. Next week, can we set you up a profile on Cowboys for Angels? And Hell for twenty no. for twenty five grand a week, we could get this wedding knocked out in short order. Do it for the I'm, kids. Well, yeah, I, you know what? You know my profile would be. I would have I would have like my belt underneath my belly sticking out, like a cigarette in the side of my mouth. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Isn't that what Klondike Bill would like if you were a female? So somewhere there's a Mrs. Klondike Bill. There is a female equivalent, and she's going to skip off the stuff, and she's going to get to your big bare ass, and it's time to get it, get it. Hang on a sec. Hey, Lois. Conrad's trying to convince me to be a whore for this wedding. A whore. She's drunk. She's passed out. Sorry. This is interesting. This is this is interesting. I'm going to clear up my. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hypothetically speaking, the next time we have a live show. Do you yeah. think we should book Buff Bagwell to show up and not tell him and then just <laughs> let him show up for the two hours? We'll pay him cash up front. And right. then, you know, he's ours for two hours. <laughs> what do you mean? He's well, ours for two hours. It'd be our guest on the show. Oh, whew. I think it meant something else. I think okay. we drag out a glass coffee table. You scoot underneath yeah. it. Well, I, I tell you who I, if we have a live show, I, I tell you the people who I want on my live show, okay? Oh, I can, I, can, I, can I guess? I was going to say Medusa, Deborah, who else? Deborah, uh, Marlena. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I'd like, <clears throat> oh, God. Tori Wilson, Stacey Keebler. No, no. I'd like Tom Zink. Uh, <laughs> only because I haven't talked to him in a long time. Ray Mysterio <laughs> without that mask. It's a, yeah, I like Barbarian. I'm going to tell uh, you, if we ever do a live show again, and Lord knows I may not want to after the last one I did with you, uh, the Barbarian <laughs> and Tom Zink and Medusa, I mean, yeah. Deborah, some of these characters, oh. they have to be there. Yeah, they do. They absolutely do. Can you imagine the pop that would happen, though, if Tommy Young <laughs> came out from behind the curtain? Right. And he was like doing the old Dean Malenko rubbing his wrist <laughs> that would be so money tommy's a good guy he'd probably go for it i'm uh, sure he would I, 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 what i mean go for it i know what you mean he'd be All a good right. sport no. i didn't mean he would get over here and jack me off <laughs> so apparently you are bored to death with these q and a's because we've done marcus bagwell's uh profile on uh let me whatever just, it is Cowboys4angels.com. All right. Uh, Boys and girls. Here's the deal, man. I'm trying to educate, you know, our listeners here. Yeah, right. 
Uh, James, what pro wrestlers are doing now, or you want uh, these our listeners to hook up with Marcus Bagwell? What are you trying to? What's the educational purpose here? Well, he's only there for angels, and we only have one point eight percent angels listening. Okay, so I don't think we're necessarily trolling for him, but I do think it's more. You know what? We could just rename this. What happened when Buff Bagwell became a male prostitute in Atlanta? <laughs> I mean, that'd be awesome. Yeah. And we would if we would get Buff Bagwell on, we'd say we'd have to say, Buff, could we see your ball sack, please? Well, I don't know about Wouldn't this we? we business. I mean, we would have to have him show his ball sack to us, just so we know that it and yeah. He's allowed yeah. to shave it himself, you know. He doesn't. Have, now, if we could get his, that's the money. Is it possible to book Judy Bagwell? This is what we need. All right, I'm thinking big here. If we do like a Starcade version of our show, then we should have Judy Bagwell on a forklift, and when she's up there, she's shaving Buff's bag. Yes, that's it, man. That is it. And we could have Tommy Young and Barbarian over in the corner. We could just see like a silhouette of them because we don't want to get arrested. It'd be awesome. <laughs> we don't want to. Okay. You got a lady shaving a guy's bag on top of a forklift. And then you say, we don't want to be arrested. It's a working bag it? shaving. It, they're going to oh. be in the air. Okay. We're not going to like go behind it with damn magnifying glasses trying to count the hairs. Okay. This is real life. People can hear us right now. Yeah. I know, and I'd like to. Uh, I'd like to have Medusa come in in a uh, in a Harley, and me hop on the back, grab her boobs, and we ride off into the sunset at the end of the show. And that just leaves Deborah in the glass coffee table. And it sure does. Uh, can Can you explain the three broadcast positions: play by play, color, and analyst? This is from James on the Facebook. Yeah. The only thing I can think of is that, and Jr. used to say it correctly. The play-by-play guy in wrestling was the guy that called the action, uh, set up the excitement, kind of like the play-by-play guy in football when there was a handoff or there was a pass or there was some sort of penalty against the Alabama Crimson Tide. The play-by-play announcer would call it. When the play was dead, the analyst would analyze it, and the color guy would add the pop, sizzle, and the jazz to it Somewhat like, and you guys, many of you may not remember this, uh, but it was back in the day of the old Monday Night Football where Howard Cosell kind of added the color to it. Uh, Bobby Heenan added color. Jesse Ventura added color. I thought uh, Larry Zabisco was more of an analyst analyzing the action. Um, If you watch baseball today on television, especially on ESPN, you'll see that they over-fucking-analyze everything to the point to where I want to say, just shut the fuck up and let the game itself take care of itself. Uh, But an analyst is the one that is normally a player, a former player that says, or a former wrestler that says, I was there, I know what it's like, I know what this feels like, I know what it takes to get ready for a big match. And a color guy just kind of added the entertainment value to it. The show really just fell off a cliff. <laughs> uh, Justin wants to know, what the fuck does Shitowita mean, Tony Schiavone? He spells Shitowita. It, he spells it S uh, H E T O W I 
T-A-H, Shitowita. What the fuck does Shitowita means? Oh, that is Native American for Joe Gomez is sucking in the ring. Oh, okay. Shitowita. I'm going, oh, fuck, Joe Gomez. Uh, Steven wants to know, do you have any opinions about Memphis wrestling, specifically Lawler, Eddie Gilbert, Bill Dundee, Brickhouse Brown, Dave Brown, or Lance Russell? Well, uh, again, Lance Russell is one of the great announcers of all time. Uh, and I can remember, and of course, I think uh, on a national level, people remember Jerry Lawler and, and the thing he did with Andy Kaufman on, on a national level. But I can remember, and I used to at times, because uh, Jim Cornette and I were, were good friends back in the 80s, and I, I would go to Jim Cornette's apartment uh, and watch some of his videos. And he showed me that uh, the, the famous video uh, of one of the uh, the Tupelo fights uh, back in the concession area where uh, they were just uh, fighting in the mustard and whatever, and they came back to Lance Russell, and he called it an unabridged brawl. And I thought that was the fucking coolest thing I ever heard of, announcer just with that deep draw that he had and, you know, straight face after seeing that shit, called it an unabridged brawl. Uh uh, I got to know Bill Dundee very well. Got to know Jerry Lawler very well. Eddie Gilbert, a little bit. Never knew Brickhouse Brown nor Dave Brown, but uh, they did some good shit. I mean, gosh, Memphis Wrestling on a Saturday morning was was big-time ratings back then. Uh, Clay wants to know, whose idea was RoboCop at Capital Combat? That was the idea of RoboCop was Turner Home Entertainments uh, to cross-promote a movie. That's what it was. Steve Chamberlain. I don't know if I'm going to blame him specifically, but he was the head of of uh, Turner Home Entertainment. That was their idea. Uh, St- Scott Stever wants to know, if you and Tom Zink formed a tag team, what would your name be, and why would it be the Minnesota Docking Crew? Okay, thank you very much. Steve, now go fuck yourself. What does that mean, Minnesota Docking Crew? Uh, what do you mean, what does that mean? Well, I mean, that, mean one, that means one guy's penis docked in another guy's ass. Oh, I was not ready for that. Well, I mean, you're, you're asking for clarification here. I know that's what Scott fucking meant. Okay. Um, you know, I'm I'm not offended by what you said. I'm offended that you don't know that's what docking is. Throw that in your Google machine and then clear your history. If you're listening, don't do that. Uh, Bob Satinan wants to know whose idea was it to bring in the original Midnight Express to feud with the real Midnights? Did Conjury and Lane have heat with each other? Was Randy Rose part of the ring crew before being plugged into the original Midnight's lineup? Well, I, I don't know about Randy Rose. Uh, that that may be a that may be something that that happened long before I was thinking about it. But I don't think that Conjury and Lane had heat with each other that I knew of. You know, Dennis Conjury. Just was very unhappy with with business and was very unhappy. And it, I think it's pretty much uh, documented in Jim Cornette's book. Was pretty much unhappy with payoffs and, and just kind of walked. Uh, the idea of bringing the original original Midnight Express into feud with the real Midnights. Uh, I'm uh, you have to go and, and find out who was booking at that time. Uh, Michael has the, see now business is picking up here. Michael wants to know Tony, can you please sing the three count song? Recount song. Do you know it? No, Can you I, hum a few bars to get me started? I assumed you knew that. No, I didn't. I didn't know. I don't know that. 
but well, I can put it in my Google machine and I can sing along with it. Well, here you go. I can play it for us. Okay. They call him the three count. Three count. Motherfucker, three count. Oh, this is the can't get you out of my heart. Oh, can't get you out of my heart. That was a Jimmy Hart special right there, buddy. Dun, 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 dun. I like it already. And I'd forgotten it. <laughs> dun, dun. Can't get you out of my heart. Dun, 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 dun. When I look at you, I get a woody. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. You know, good shit, good shit right there, buddy. I don't think you really wanted to. Uh, we just sing off it. the cliff again, and I would uh, certainly like <laughs> to thank Michael Schroeder for that. I think he was hoping you would just freestyle something about nothing happening, Evan Courageous. Oh yeah, fuck him. Uh, if Klondike, Michael Evan Courageous. If Klondike Bill was arrested, what are some items the officer may find on his person when they frisk him? He would uh, he would find uh, panties. Mm-hmm. With a, a stain in them, in the front. I was gonna say front or back. Thank you for clarifying. Yeah, in the front, uh, a stain in the front. Uh, he would he would certainly would find a, a bunch of of porn magazines. Uh, he would find a Pepsi Cola, and a bag, and you, I know you're gonna think I'm, I'm bullshitting here, and a bag of pork rinds. I love that. I, I, I never I never thought about what sort of snack he would have, but pork rinds really. He, I mean, he was a, a listen. Klondike Bill was a pork rind connoisseur. He used hmm. to say, "Tony, there's these pork rinds. They're called uh, washboard pork, pork rinds. You can only get them in South Carolina, and they're real hard and they're real crisp. And I just love gnawing on them." And so he was a pork rind connoisseur. Um, AJ wants to know: Was Starcade '85 booked in a manner as a way to counter WrestleMania, in that Jim Crockett Promotions had real wrestling? And not the shoebox crap from the WWF. I say that because almost every match was some sort of gimmick, and almost every match had blood. No, I, I, it, I don't think it was booked to counter WrestleMania. Uh, I always thought that Jim Crockett Promotions, even if you go past Arcade in the '80s, Jim Crockett Promotions always tried to uh, make it a real wrestling event. That's how they had Jr. and I call the stuff. That's how they had Bob Cottle call it back then. I don't know if it was so much of a counter to WrestleMania as it was. That was their style. They tried to, uh, they tried to uh, respect the old school type wrestling back then. Ken Bennett wants to know. Tony mentions when he got back to the from the WWF, he knew WCW's days were numbered. When was the time he felt WCW or Jim Crockett was hitting on all cylinders? Never. You didn't think that Jim Crockett was in 86 or that WCW was in 98? Uh, no. Uh-huh. Uh, what yeah. wrestler would Tony want backing him up in a bar fight? Oh, that's well known. That's Ming, Ming for crying out loud. Uh, Ken, anybody, anybody ever worked in the wrestling front office would say the same thing. Um, Bruce does a lot of impressions. Does Tony have any? Yes, I have... Uh, I have an impression of the Godfather. Oh God! <laughs> I do. I like your Klondike Bill pretty good, but you like that, and I, and I like your Jim Hurd. Give everybody your Jim Hurd about the Candyman. Okay. Goddamn Candyman! 
We want this goddamn guy to have a bag of goddamn candy. And he comes out and he throws it to the kids and he gets the kids to come up against the rail so he can shoot the kids and make it look like more of a family goddamn atmosphere. And we're going to call him the goddamn candy man. Now, who are we going to have with the goddamn candy man? Well, maybe it's uh, maybe it should be Brad. Brad Armstrong. OK, Brad Armstrong becomes a goddamn candy man. <laughs> I feel like that should have been his name. Goddamn candy man. Um, I mean, you, when I first met Jim Hurd. We were at the, uh, not first met him, but when Jim Hurd, oh my God, shoot me in the fucking head now. Jim Hurd and Jim Barnett convinced me to come back to WCW at the Grand Hyatt in New York City. When I came over from Connecticut, Jim Hurd said, I just think that wrestlers should be based on historical figures. I think we ought to have a hunchback. And the, the gimmick is you can't pin him because he can't get his shoulders down because of his hump. And I think we also have like one guy with long John Silver and his gimmick is he would unscrew his wooden leg and hit a guy over the head with it and knock him out. That's I think we should do. And I remember going back to Connecticut and saying, oh, what the fuck am I doing with my fucking life? And he was serious when he thought that. So. So give us your Rick Flair should cut his hair and have a diamond. Diamonds are forever. And so is Ric Flair. Because that long hair, shit, that gimmick's done. That was back in the 80s. Oh, my God. And you wonder why we thought we were fucked. <laughs> give us the Godfather. Give, the give, Godfather? Us the, give us the Godfather if he was trying to um, congratulate Bruce on being sports podcast of the year. I just like the hey, Bruce. And I've always kind of been a big fan of yours. And I want you to know that even though you have fucked a lot of people over in this business, and even though you've been fired many times by Vince McMahon, well, I got my friend here, Luca Brazzi. And Luca is going to take care of you. Stand up and be a man. That's actually pretty good. I got to say, I didn't give you enough credit for that. Thank you very much. Uh, John wants to know, did you eventually have to get rid of that sweet mustache because it was just bringing in too much tang? Uh, I wish. I got rid of the mustache because Vince McMahon said he had one wrestler or one announcer that had a mustache that was Gene Oakland and didn't want me to have it, so he wanted me to shave it. So that was the reason. Tim wants to know, if the WWE called and wanted to induct Tony into the Hall of Fame and have him call one last match at WrestleMania... What'd he do it? Okay. Uh, that's a question that has uh, been long discussed in my family. I would feel very uncomfortable. I said to this on JR's podcast about being inducted into the Hall of Fame before a Bob Cottle or before Lance Russell. It would be hard to turn it down, but it would be very difficult for me to go up there and accept it, knowing those two guys should get it before me. One last match at WrestleMania, I don't think I could do the the talent justice today. We'll find out, won't we, at one shot. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, court's going to regret that. This is one of those things that sounds like a good idea on paper. <laughs> but now that our listeners have heard you call it for real, hearing you call it straight is going to be a little disappointing. Contact Luca Brazzi on the computer. If people have got to see your face when you do this, 
Uh, Brandon says, this is a question for both Tony and Conrad. I know Tony doesn't watch a lot of newer wrestling, but who, in your opinion, any time between the Attitude Era and the present day would have been a good tag team partner for Arn Anderson or which collection of superstars would make a good faction with Arn being the head man? Well, I, you know, you know, Dolph Ziggler is, is a, is a hell of a talker. Don't you think so? I love him. Yeah. I, I think he would have been a great one. Uh, Zack Ryder, another one would have been a tremendous one. Let's just round it out and let's go Kurt Hawkins. Let's say Kurt Hawkins, Dolph Ziggler and Zack Ryder. They're the new four horsemen with Arn Anderson. There you go. We booked it. You and I should book. Uh, DJ No Skills says, with the episode last week of Arn Anderson and the emotional promo giving his spot away, uh, do you think it would have been more powerful to have Kurt actually take the spot and be the enforcer Arn wanted? Seemed Kurt was just white noise in the background of the NWO. I agree 100% on that one. I talked about this with Bruce Mitchell this week, and we both agreed that it would have been more ideal to have Kurt be a horseman for at least a few months before the turn. Yeah. It felt like it was just kind of rushed. No question. There's no question. And, it, and to me, Kurt kind of just fit into that horseman mode. Sure. Yeah. Uh, any memories of the undertaker slash mean Mark in WCW? Any good stories? No, no, I don't know that much about him in the back. Mark was always a pretty good guy. I do remember the first time that they sent Paulie dangerously out with him as his manager. Remember, Paulie came in the back and looked at me and said, that motherfucker's going to be a big star. <laughs> Boy, was he right. We all knew we had something big. So what do we do? We called him Mean Mark, and we fucked it. Uh, Christopher wants to know, how would you rib Conrad if he was back in WCW back in the day? How would I rib him? How would you rib me? Uh, probably take you to a, uh, a convenience store and leave your ass. All right. Uh, Dewey wants to know. I thought about that, too. Okay. You thought about leaving me at a convenience store? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Tony, uh, Tony, on a Nitro in 96, the horseman ended Orndorff's career. A few weeks later, they did a segment where someone with a broom reached through the curtain and knocked Arn Anderson out after Anderson wandered many feet off the rampway for no reason. I know it was implied that Mr. Wonderful got revenge, but in one of the most ridiculous Nitro segments, who will who really swung the broom? That would have been uh, Klondike Bill swung the broom. Klondike was a great worker. No telling where that broom him. was before. Yeah, they, they trust him to do shit like that. And he probably had somebody bend over and brush out their ass with the broom and then hit a Hart Anderson with the head with it. Uh, Dan wants to know, what was the cause of your neck injury? Was it from riding shotgun while on the road with Tom? <laughs> no. uh, my, my, the, the, the shooting part of my neck injury was that, and, and not many people realize this, and if you, if you think the show fell off, fell off the cliff earlier, get ready, motherfucker. Uh, some people have... <laughs> I, wish, I wish everybody could see your ass. <laughs> How you slid down in your chair as if to say, I'm going to fall asleep on this one. Some people have. <laughs> Conrad. Conrad. Yeah. Are we still doing this? <laughs> so, so, Just say you got it from blowing Tom's ink and let's move on. Okay. Next. 
<laughs> Alex wants to know any good Randy Anderson stories was my favorite referee. Yeah, Randy uh Randy did not like Wendy Turnbuckle at all. Who did? Uh well, I, I thought Wendy was okay. I thought she was a hardworking girl. Uh he didn't like and, and there was one time that she got scolded really bad. Uh and a mistake was made that she made and got scolded really bad. I don't know if it was from uh, Eric or Leathers. And Randy just stood there at the meeting and stared in her face and smiled at her the whole time. I love that. I thought that was so good. It was like, fuck you, bitch. You fucked up. Uh, that's what I remember about him. He was, uh, and not only that, you know, uh, I don't know if many people know this, but Randy Anderson and Marty Lundy, who are both from Rome, Georgia, <laughs> were worked for Orkin at one time in Rome. Wait, 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 wait. Arn Anderson was a bug man once? Uh-huh. Arn Anderson and Randy Anderson worked for Orkin. And can you imagine those two showing up at your house when you want someone to inspect your house for termites? Can you imagine if you complained that Arn missed a spot and you get a fucking spine buster on your own patio? <laughs> and then Randy would count it one, two, three. Yeah. And then Arn cuts a promo. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Here at Orkin, we don't wear white hats. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. Um, no, that's that's a true story. They were uh, they worked for Orkin in in Rome, Georgia. What type of bug could pull a trailer hitch? One that Orkin didn't spray, that's for sure. Uh, Josh Kuhn wants to know: You got anything on Ranger Ross? No, the Ranger Ross was was eighty nine. That was uh, when I was in the WWE. Any good Mongo stories? Hmm. Uh, one that I think that we have talked about here that Mongo just Mongo's last days in WCW was because he disappeared, didn't show up anymore. He pulled it. He pulled a Dennis Condry. Yeah, just didn't show up. Matt wants to know any funny stories from filming Ready to Rumble. Mm. Uh, I I realized uh, how tedious and boring. Uh, much like this episode, how tedious and boring um, uh, filming a mu uh, uh, a uh, movie was. I we each had our own little uh, little trailer. Are you and are you okay? If, if, I feel like you're you're not doing well today. No, I'm doing fine. We all had our own little trailer, and I I ended up sleeping in mine. And I remember my cell phone ran out of juice, and I had to call the office. And I asked one of the production assistants who all had headsets on and were running around getting people. I said, could I uh, go right across the street there to a payphone? I need to call. And she says, uh, Mr. Shivani, we cannot allow you off the property while we're filming the movie. I was a fucking prisoner. Uh, and it was, uh, I got to meet some pretty cool people. Uh, and... Uh, but it it was long and boring. Long and boring. Adam wants to know, why did Hulk Hogan, WCW's biggest star, miss Starcade, WCW's biggest event, on three separate occasions, 95, 98, and 99? Yeah, probably so WCW could save money, and probably because he had his own, well, the obvious thing is, he had his uh, final say on his storyline, his character, he didn't want to go to those. Well, so there you go. Uh, Calvin wants to know, do you have any good Sting stories? 
Uh, no, not really. Sting was a pretty straight up guy. Uh, good kid. Really was. I, I never did. I never did see Sting really hang out in a bar or anything like that. I really didn't. Um, Greg wants to know what saw Luger hang out in a bar. I have somebody peel his shrimps. Right, somebody peeled shrimp for him, but I never saw Sting do it. Never. Greg wants to know what was the move the Yeti was doing to Hogan and uh, the match against the Giant. Yeah, well, he was fucking him in the ass. All right. That's uh, the move. It's called the fuck him in the ass move. Let's move along. Uh, Michael wants to know, uh, other than Hogan Warrior, what is the worst match you ever called? Well, man. Well, it, have, it would have to be one of those fucking six-man luchador matches where no one sold shit. No, wait. Now you, you told me there was a Van Hammer match somewhere in there. Yeah, okay. I'm not so sure I called the, the Van Hammer match. Uh, that was uh, a job match at Halloween Havoc. I think maybe JR called that one. I'm not sure. Uh, and 91, I don't know if you recall it, against uh, Doug Summers, where Doug kicked out of it. It's one of the worst matches ever. There were a lot of uh, Todd Champion and uh, Firebreaker Chip matches that were the drizzling shits that we would call. But uh, Luchador match to me was horrible because, again, and I come from the old school stuff where you sell shit, and they were selling nothing. So that that kind of blew me away. Josh wants to know, if you were inducted into the Hall of Fame, who would you want to put you in, and why would it be Tom Zink? It would not be Tom Zink. It would be Conrad Thompson. Oh, my gosh. No, give a real answer. Who would it be? No, it would be you. Why? Because you got me back into the business. Well, how about how about Flair kicks out and then he puts okay. you in because he got you in originally? Yeah, okay, a, g- a good one. Flair, David Crockett would be another good one, but I, I would consider you. I'd love for you to stand up there and say some of your shit. Yeah, it would That'd be funny. It would be pretty brutal, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, Jeff wants to know. I always loved Harlem Heat's theme music. Uh, what are some of your other favorite entrance themes from WCW? I, you know, I, I don't know if I had, uh, I, I like the horseman theme from WCW. I like the old WCW Saturday night theme from Turner Broadcasting. I thought that was very cool. Um, my favorite entrance music of all time is Rick Derringer's uh, Real American. Oh, it's outstanding. When it's I was a kid, one. there was nothing better. Yep. Uh, Josh wants to know your thoughts on Norman the Lunatic. I don't remember that much about Norman. Norman was wrestling for WCW when I was in WWE. And then I think he wrestled just part-time when we came back. I don't remember that much about him with the exception of he wasn't that athletic. Andrew wants to know, will you tell us the story about the time Mulkey Mania ran wild? Yes, I will tell you the story about the time Mulkey Mania ran wild. Dusty Rhodes says we're going to make a big deal out of this tag team match called the Gladiators from California. And we're going to make a big deal out of it because we're going to put the Mulkies over. So we we had the match, and one of the monkeys picks up, or one of the gladiators picks up one of the monkeys and trips over backwards over his partner, and the monkey falls on top of him, one, two, three. And we go crazy, and we're screaming, and David Crockett goes to the ring. And it's just funny, I talked to David Crockett today, by the way. Uh, we uh, David Crockett goes to the ring and said, and here's how the interview went. Oh, yeah, I'm here with the monkeys. You won. 
And one of the monkeys said, yeah, we won. And David said, yeah, you won. <laughs> and I'm right now I'm fucking dying laughing because David doesn't know what to say. But yeah. And the monkeys never cut a promo, right? So the only thing they were saying back and forth was, we fucking won. Or they didn't say, fuck it, we won. And they have to go to me, and I got to pitch to a break, and I'm fucking dying laughing. So that I remember the interview more than I actually remember the match. Uh, I've seen them lately, uh, and as everyone has, they've aged, and they still have quite a following. They really do. People remember Mulkey Mania. Isn't that something? I don't know why, but it tickles me whenever you talk about somebody you saw from back in the day, and you say, they've aged. Yeah, because I haven't aged that much, but most of the people have. J.J. Dillon has not. Arn Anderson has not. You oh, and the Mulkies. Arn Anderson has so. Eh, I, I, I feel like if Arn, if Arn dropped a few LBs, he'd be ready to give a spine buster tomorrow. Shit, he's got gray hair and that yarmulke's grown on top of the fucking head. On top of that fucking pumpkin head of his. Shit, he's aged. John wants to know, what was going through Tony's mind at Bash at the Beach 2000 with the whole Russo, Hogan, Jarrett thing? Thought it was a work. And I'm thinking, this thing is a fucking work, and they're trying to make portray it as a shoot. How should I handle it? And I don't know how I handled it, to be honest with you, but I didn't, I didn't believe it. So, uh, Dave wants to know, what was your initial reaction to the finger poke of doom, and did you know beforehand? Uh, didn't know beforehand. My, my re- initial reaction was, everybody's initial reaction is, hey, this is a bunch of bullshit. And you didn't know? Did not know. Uh, what the hell was up with Mr. Wonderful and Gary Spivey? I, I don't know about that. That's the damnedest thing. Uh, that I, I've, If I recall, that was a Kevin Sullivan thing. That hurts me for you to say that. I really didn't want that to be his idea. Well. Yeah. I guess can, it was. Can you recreate that? No. When he's looking in the mirror? <laughs> no. That's some bullshit, man. It's so good. Go Google that if you haven't already. Um, can, I tell you, can I tell you a Paul Orndorff story? Oh, yes, please do, because this show's dying right now, so help us. <laughs> this show's not dying. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, go do well. Okay. You know how we can pull a show out of, of dying, right? You can tell a Tony Schiavone talking about Paul Orndorff story. Or you can just give me a Tommy Young. Go ahead. Tommy Young. <laughs> you come over here, you check me off. You did it again, you fucker. It's okay. coming out one way or another, brother. The easy way or a hard way. Hand or asshole. You pick. Uh, Paul, and when we were at Disney, uh, and a bunch of us were having dinner, and, and Paul was with us, and I think it were people in the office as well, and I was talking about the crazy things I did when I was a kid. And, and Paul said, yeah. Yeah, I understand that. He said, let me ask you this. When you were a kid, did you ever used to climb up in a tree and take a shit out of the tree just to see it fall on the ground and see what it looked like. And I went, no, no. I said, did you do that? He went, yeah, yeah. So there you go. So my you're saying Paul Orndorff would climb trees just to shit at a distance and then see what it would splatter like? Yep. That's what he would do when he was a kid. Uh, hypothetically speaking, when he was making towns for WCW, did he ever ride shotgun with Klondike Bill? No, I don't think so. Another Paul Orndorff story was uh, I did a, a, like a one-on-one interview with him. Uh, and uh, he said, uh, 
And I, we're talking about, I don't know what the, it was, it was, maybe it was Paul Orndorff's career or he was in trouble or something. And we did this one-on-one interview and he said, Tony, I feel like I have two strikes and no balls on me. <laughs> and I started laughing. He said, what are you laughing about? I said, nothing. Cut. We'll do it again. Three, two. Tony, I feel like I have two strikes and no balls on me. And I just started laughing again. He said, what are you laughing about? I said, Paul, I'm not so sure if the fans will know that you have no balls. So and that was kind of a, a running joke between us. We had to cut that a couple of times. Uh, Nick wants to know, which wrestler... <laughs> <laughs> what? Ah, I love our audience. Which wrestler had a, had a low-key big hog? A low-key big hog? <laughs> Man, you know, we are so deep in our in our slang here. Some people are going to hear this and not have any fucking idea what we're talking about. But Tony hit us with it. How do you have a how do you have a big hog and not have it low key? Right? Well, I mean, I don't think Colonel Robert Parker or Vincent I don't think theirs was that low key. Do you do you know of a low key? I don't what what are we doing with all a wrestling guy wants to know um, was Tony ever pitched on the idea of joining the NWO? Of course not. I'm not. I never was hip. Jesus Christ. The no. idea that you would strut out out there with Kevin Nash <laughs> and spray paint people tickles me almost as much as low key big hog, which holy shit, that should be a new t-shirt. I think we need to make that a t-shirt and you might actually see it very soon over at pro wrestling forward slash WHW, and there you'll see the what a slap dick, hypothetically, damn, I'm good. My wife picked this out. Hard mm-hmm. to beat. Flare hit it first. Bill's glass bottom boat ride. Parker's jump rope academy. The hot tag. Lowest rules. Klon dick. I'm a Tom Zink guy, and maybe my favorite. Pasta still rules. You got to <laughs> check these out, but the airbrush t-shirt, man, if you're a real white trash scum bucket you go pick up this airbrush T-shirt that looks like you went to Panama City Beach, nineteen ninety-nine, and uh, for only twenty-four ninety-nine, you can let people know that you not only have great taste in podcasts, but awful taste in T-shirts. And you'll call them and thank them for their business, right, Tony? Yes, I will. I do need to say this, Conrad, and this is a shoot because the baseball season is ending and football season is starting. I'm in that of. Uh, time of my life where I am so freaking busy, I am behind on the calls. I really am. Because you shouldn't really, I shouldn't really call people unless it's like at nighttime because people work. So I wait till nighttime. I got a baseball game. I've got football meetings. I'm very behind. I will call you. I'm sorry. But I've called a lot. Called hundreds. And I enjoy talking with everyone. I When I call you, I'm not going to just say, thank you very much and hang up. I'm going to I'm going to engage you. I'm going to talk about wrestling. I'm going to answer your questions. I uh, I really, truly like to connect with these fans because all of them have been very, very complimentary of me and the, the stuff that we did back then. It, it really means a lot. It really does. Randall wants to know, why was Ming taken out of war games and Robert Parker put in his place? I don't have that answer unless maybe Ming was hurt or they thought maybe Robert Parker would have been a a better guy to to do the job. Uh, Stewart wants to know, was there a split in the locker room when Hogan came in and a number of friends were hired shortly thereafter? 
Now, I don't think there was a split in the locker room. I, I, I know that some people didn't like that, and they probably griped about it and, and bitched about it, as wrestlers usually would. But a split in the locker room? No, not at all. Well, that kind of wraps up our questions here uh, for this week's episode of the Q&A with Tony Schiavone. Tony, is there any other little nugget of wisdom or fun factoid or story that you're not sure when we'll have a chance to fit in that you'd like to mention? Uh, no. I I, uh, I want to go back to this to this thing about who should induct Tony Schiavone into the WWE Hall of Fame. Um. I still think it's Conrad. And I think there should be a a movement out there that if I get inducted, which I can tell you right now, I never will. But if, if I get in, inducted to Hall of Fame, I want Conrad to come induct me. Well, I, so think, I think that's mighty should, nice of you to say. Uh, there should be a movement out there for that. So I, I wish you would uh, tweet that, tweet that to the people. You know, tag the WWE in that uh, because uh, he and I are partners, man. Are partners. Well, I mean, w- without you, I would have never reconnected with anybody, especially the uh, sexual innuendo Texas that I had with Medusa over the week, which it was just wonderful. I feel like we need to talk about that. Um, a little disappointed you to bring that up before now because we've been dying on this week's episode. Okay. You were sexting with Medusa? No, it wasn't sexting. Uh, Wait, let me just ask what we really need to know. You, you got any picture of them titties on your phone? No, I do not. What's it going to uh, take for us to get that? I don't know. I, I don't know, but she... <laughs> uh, uh, but she did, uh, again, before I realized that Arn Anderson was the last week episode, uh, she did uh, she did send me a, a tweet about being her bike bitch. And I uh, immediately sent her a text about it and said, you, you gave me a woody by saying that. And she said, LOL. And I said, oh, well, you really didn't give me a woody because even when I have a woody, I'm not so sure it's there. And then she sent me back one of those uh, emojis with the eyes real wide, like, what in the world did you say? And then we talked on the phone. We had a nice discussion on the phone because we hadn't talked in a long time. So, see, you, by saying bike bitch, had me reconnect with her. You understand? Well, that's pretty, that's pretty nice to hear. Uh, is that the yeah. first time you've talked to her in a while? Yeah. Long time. Wow. Yeah. So, uh by saying that, yeah, we connected, uh, and uh, I've had a chance to to make some personal appearances. I had a live show, as fucking nutty as that was, in, in Dallas. Uh, and it's it's all because of you, Conrad. It's oh all because God. of you. Because of you. You're my Luca Brazzi. Well, let me pitch this. The real goal okay. should be, now that Bruce and I have knocked out podcasts of the year, I think you and I need to go for next year. Well, I'd like to do that, uh, but it's going to be awfully hard on that to do that when you just keep saying this fucking thing's dying in the middle of it. It's a you rip. Gotta be positive. You got to be positive, motherfucker. Oh, okay. Let me try again. Let me try again. Can I go again? Okay. Yeah, go ahead. This is the greatest podcast in the history of our great sport. And boy, your story about neck surgery, that'll really put some butts in the seats. How was that? Was that go, better? Go fuck yourself. 
Well, I plan to do that next week. Well, let's talk about next week's poll topics okay. for a minute. We're going to get back to the poll. Uh, we didn't give you an option the last two weeks between everything that's been going on in real life. It's been uh, kind of a, a struggle to find some time, but we're going to find some time for you next week uh, because we've got some fun topics lined up for you. We're going to kick it old school with some Clash of the Champions actions. Uh, we're going to go Clash of the Champions 12 this one went down on September 5th, 1990 in Asheville, North Carolina. The main event is Sting versus the Black Scorpion. Oh, uh, yes. Right before that, we've got Lex Luger and Ric Flair, Stan Hansen and Z-Man, the Steiner Brothers and Maximum Overdrive, Susan Sexton and Bambi, Wildfire Tommy Rich against Wild Bill Irwin, the Nasty Boys against Jackie Fulton and Terry Taylor. The Master Blasters against Brad Armstrong and Tim Horner. Mike Rotundo and Buddy Landell. And the Southern Boys with Bob Armstrong taking on the fabulous Freebirds with Buddy Roberts. Uh, what are your memories of the Black Scorpion, which who here is Al Perez. This did uh, big numbers and in and, and the undercard. Uh, a pretty fun card here with Stan Hansen and Z-Man, Lex Luger and Ric Flair. Lots of talent on this show. What do you remember about Clash of the Champions 12 from 1990? Uh, if I recall, it, it, my memory was with the uh, the uh, magic tricks they tried to do. Yeah. That turned out to be a fucking turd. That's my memory of it. Well, we're going to talk about that turd if that wins. Let's go to poll okay. topic number two, Clash of the Champions 16. This one also happened on September 5th, this time it's 1991 in Augusta, Georgia. Uh, we've got Eligante taking on the one-man gang, Oz, and others in a 20-man battle royal. We've got Brian Pillman in Bad Street for the Light Heavyweight Championship. We've got Sting taking on Johnny B. Band for the U.S. title. Richard Morton is taking on Mike Graham in the uh, WCW Light Heavyweight Championship Tournament Semifinal. Easy for me to say. The mm-hmm. fabulous Freebirds are going to take on the Patriots, which are your favorites, Todd Champion and Firebreaker Chip. Ron Simmons is in a match against the Diamond Stud. Van Hammer takes on Terrence Taylor, where we hope no one wins. Uh, Steve Austin takes on Tom Zink, which ought to be a big-time match. And in our main event, it's the Enforcers, Arn Anderson and Larry Zbysko taking on Rick Steiner and Bill Casimir. Oh, my God. What a fucking show this was. Clash of the Champions 16. Do you remember calling this turd? I do not. That's one of those things I just put out. I mean, when you've got Van Hammer and Terry Taylor wrestling each other, you know it's the drizzling shits. This was not, though, the 20th anniversary of Clash of the Champions. It's Clash of the Champions 20. Uh, it's not really been 20 years, but it's the 20th anniversary, right? Because it's 20. Right. We'll count it. Sure. Right. Uh, September 2nd, 1992 is when this one goes down. They kick it old school and they do it at center stage in Atlanta. And this is a pretty interesting card. Your curtain jerker is Steve Austin and Ricky Steamboat in a no DQ match for the world television title. Then we've got Arn Anderson tagging with Bobby Eaton against Dick Slater and Greg Valentine. Ron Simmons takes on Cactus Jack for the world title. Then we've got The Barbarian tagging with Butch Reed against Barry Windham and Dustin Rhodes. 
And then in a four-on-four elimination match, our main event is Rick Rude, Jake Roberts, Super Invader, and Big Van Vader taking on Sting, the returning Nikita Koloff, and the Steiner Brothers. What do you remember about Clash of the Champions 20? And I should remind everybody, the Super Invader is Hercules Hernandez from the WWF. Right. Here's what I remember. I remember working with Missy Hyatt out front, interviewing stars as they came in, like Andre the Giant. What? I'm I'm doing my podcast. Stay away. Bring her in. Bring her in. Yes. Hey, let her come down. Yeah, you do. Come down. What the hell does she want? Got a promo. All right. Say, I bet you won't do it. You drunk you ass. I bet you. I bet you won't come downstairs. Drunk okay. Ass. No, charge the extra. No, you. We don't do shit on camera. Stay upstairs. Clean the kitchen. Do do something for a change. Tell her to pick up the fucking dog hair. <laughs> pick up the fucking dog. Pick up the fucking dog hair. You're not funny. Okay. Hey, I just wanted to. I wanted to ask your question. You're not come kidding. down. Come downstairs here. Wait a minute. She's old, man. She's disrupted. Her. This is Lois. Does she, oh, does she like ride one of those chairs down the wall to get downstairs? She, she's going to need to pretty soon. <laughs> she really is. Uh, uh, so, uh, but I remember working with Missy Hyde. That's what I remember about that. And I thought it was a pretty cool show, actually. I feel like we need music right now, like game show music as she makes her approach. <laughs> Try. Go fight so Would you please? Here we go. Ten hours later, she's downstairs. So uh, that's what I remember about that Clash of the Champions. What, what else we got for next week? War Games 2000. It's not nearly yeah. as interesting as what's going on at your house. Um, and the Triple Cage War Games match. We've got Kevin Nash, Jeff Jarrett, Scott Steiner, and Vince Russo taking on Booker T, Goldberg, Chronic, and Sting. Your memories, briefly, of War Games 2000. I don't want to take away from what's happening at your house right now. I don't have any memories of that. I, look. What? This is awesome. Okay, I, I, I sit on here that if I was ever inducted to the Hall of Fame, as you know, I'll never be. Because we had a bobblehead this past weekend, and that's, that was great. That Conrad Thompson should induct me. Don't you think that, that my humor has gotten better and that my life has gotten better? Because you, want, you want Conrad to induct you? Yeah, in the Hall of Fame. Don't you think that would be funny? No, it sounds criminal to me. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. It sounds perverted. Yeah, okay, thank you. Hey, right. um, I don't know about you guys. Yeah. Does she know how Sonny makes a living in 2017? Yeah, let's induct you. What's that? Sonny makes a living in 2017 uh-huh. by Skyping with wrestling fans yeah. while they jerk off. Yeah, there, there's a, there's a, uh, a Sonny, Diva. who's a valet, makes a living uh, Skyping with wrestling fans while they jerk off. So, And I'm a wrestling oh, fan. Oh, you, guys, you guys are sick fucks. Come on. Let's go, dogs. Well, yeah, let's go, dogs. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. All right. Funny? Yeah, I think it's funny. I mean, don't you think it's funny? No. It's, it's I think you're No. What's she doing to that dog? You guys would do anything for money. Don't, don't uh, do, do me for shows your boobs. Hey, you know what the difference is? She's never done anything for money. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you walked out on that one. 
because that'd be my ass. <laughs> that was a good line, though. That was a good line. <laughs> you left the volume off. What did he say? I said I'm your not- hair looks nice. I don't give a shit. I'm not. I'm not stooging on my partner here. <laughs> well, then let him induct you, and then leave, leave me off the hook. Well, it's not like you're inducting anything over there. <laughs> I need to have you come to my house for my arguments. <laughs> I love it. Well, um, so next week's poll kind of sucks, guys, but this is WCW. So roll tide. Yeah. We're giving you anniversaries that maybe we don't really want to relive, but they're all Clash of the Champions or War Games. So Clash of the Champions 12 from 1990, Clash of the Champions 16 from 1991, Clash of the Champions 20 from 1992. So we've got 90, 91, and 92 represented, and then we'll skip forward to 2000, Dallas, Texas, Reunion Arena, and uh, what an interesting triple cage war games match it was. The last war games. Thank um, God. Do you have any memories at all of this show, or have you blocked it all out? On the undercard, Insane Clown Posse was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sting took on Vampiro and Great Muda in a handicap match. Booker T took on Stevie Ray. Uh, you had The Chronic taking on The Cat. Uh, the franchise was out there against Goldberg. Then you had a six-on-one handicap match. This is real. Big Vito against the Natural Born Thrillers of Chuck Palumbo, Mark Jindrak, Mike Sanders, Reno, Sean O'Hare, and Sean Stasiak. I have blocked most of this out almost as if I were a victim. Yeah, uh, well, we were really going down to shitter at that time. Uh, that was the uh, coffin on roller skates era. Sure. Uh, what I remember was meeting uh, Herschel Walker and uh, Brett Hall in the back. That's what I remember about that show. Herschel Walker, as you know, the greatest running back ever in the SEC. Uh, that's what I remember about that. That's the only thing I remember. Uh, so we've covered a lot of topics here today, Tony. It, it, your one takeaway from today's show, there have been a few highlights. What will it be? What will you remember this episode of What Happened When Monday most for? Uh, I, I think I'll remember it most for... Uh, well, we had a lot of fun here today, didn't we, Conrad? You know, I, I was I was bagging on the show, but that Buff Bagwell thing, speaking of bagging, uh, yeah. that was pretty good. Yeah. Lois doing a run-in, that was pretty not, good. Yeah, that was pretty good. And maybe we should have Lois uh, do her own website called... Uh, fat ass cowgirls and angels. What would Lois's be called? What Lois's? Oh, uh, hey, can I read this to you? Yeah, uh, I have been texting your wife. Did you know this? Oh, what? Whoa, whoa, whoa! Yeah. What? Well, hey, I'm telling you about it. I'm telling you about it. So I asked for your home address, as you recall. Yeah. And here's where the dog hair comes from. She says, let me know if you're planning a surprise visit. I'll need to clear a path so you won't trip over all the dog hair. <laughs> well, at least she admits to it. Um, and then she asks about some real life stuff and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And she says, reminds me of the time Rick and I matched wits in the green room at a Disney shoot. Had all the pussy hats running for cover. Ah, the good old days. Give him my yeah. best. Hey, what's a yeah. pussy hat? <laughs> uh, to her, it was uh, people who who are politically correct okay. and can't take can't take a woman cursing. 
and think, oh my gosh, the foul mouth on that bitch. That's um, a pussy hat. I thought that was funny. So I said, you need to do more podcast run-ins. And she replied, Tony doesn't want, uh, does them when he knows I'm not around on purpose. He flunked sharing in kindergarten. Yeah. If you ever want to know more behind the scenes of Tony, let me know. I know where all the bodies are hidden. Waka waka. <laughs> she's so full of shit. And I no, said, no, she's so full of shit. Her boobs, which used to be really big, are down between her knees right now. I said, well, we got to do a live show where you do a run in. And she says, you demand, you call the shots. I'm just an unemployed stay at home mom. Mm-hmm. And I said, actually, you're just a rat and I'm just a fan. <laughs> and she replied, I'm a rat. And I could tell she was offended. And I said, I was kidding, silly. Rats don't have 981 babies with a goddamn announcer. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go <laughs> oh god what have you done to us Fuck. I feel like that could also be a shirt where we could just put not a rat <laughs> with like the ghostbuster circle and slash through it that's right that'd be good <laughs> hypothetically speaking what type of rats did a Tony Schiavone get back in the day besides I, Lois Tony, Tony Schiavone didn't get any rats don't start there don't start that bullshit the only way I can make that bullshit. Okay. The only way I can make sure we don't start that is if you look down and you realize what time it is. Well, what time it is, Conrad, is time for Luca Brazzi, Dave Silva to come in and wrestle. And I'm Tony Schiavone, and our tag team match this week is Lois Schiavone and Medusa against Conrad Thompson and Dave Silva. And Lois Shivani doing the belly bump with Conrad. And now there's Medusa doing a flying head scissor on Dave Silva. And Dave Silva will not kick out. He stays in. We're out of time. The tape machines are rolling. Conrad Thompson, go fuck yourself. See you next week on WHW. What happened when? Monday. Tommy Young.